The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. So take your Bibles with me this morning and let's go to 1 Peter. Um, actually, go to, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because that's where, that's where we're going to start out this morning. That'll be our first launching, launching point. I don't have a PowerPoint this morning and so you'll have, to, uh, you'll have to turn to these scriptures today. I apologize for that, but I think sometimes that's a good thing too. So we'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Well, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers, and I was mentioning this morning, you know, on Mother's Day, mothers, we take them out to dinner, or we cook them a lunch, and we do all these wonderful things, but on Father's Day, why is it that dad gets stuck at the grill, cooking and uh, everything else, and they call it Father's Day, I don't know, but um, I won't be at the grill today, Brother Dave Morrow was at the grill yesterday, so I don't have to be at the grill today. I appreciate that. Um, we've been talking about, I've been discussing over the past several several weeks, uh, uh, talking about the Great Commission and, and the commission that we're given by the Lord. And our latest, the latest section of that is, was point number six on my list, which was the implementation of the Great Commission, the implementing of, of the commandment given by the Lord Jesus Christ for us to go and, and to be witnesses. And in talking about the implementation, I spoke about about uh, a builder, a master builder, and a builder can do, can't do much without tools. We talked about that. Uh, 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 my father, for instance, when I was a, a young boy, he was a he was a master craftsman. He built houses, but he, he more than that, he built furniture and fine furniture. And in his latter years, he restored antique furniture and things like that. And that required tools. As as great a craftsman as he was, he couldn't do anything without tools. So he had to have tools and those tools needed to be kept up and maintenanced and he took great care. Some tools he didn't take so much care of, the tools that were used in the heavy construction work. He didn't he didn't worry about those as much, but the tools that he used in the fine cabinetry work and the fine finish work that he did, those tools he took great care of and he made sure they were always in the best of shape so that he could do the best possible job he could. And I compared that to us and the fact that you and I are the tools that God uses to implement the Great Commission. We are the tools that God uses to build his church. And he, didn't, he wouldn't have to. God doesn't need us, but he's chosen to use us. So we are those tools. Therefore, we need to watch after our lives. We need to look to our lives and make sure that we are the best child that we can be, the best, the best tool that, that we can be for the Lord. And we talked about some things. We looked at some of the disciplines required for us to be effective servants of Jesus Christ. We said, uh, first time, I, number one, I said we ought to walk worthy of our Father. And I explained that that means that we live our lives befitting the, the Lord Jesus Christ or becoming the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we need to be, we need to walk in a, in a way that is worthy of the name of Jesus. Some, some Christians walk so careless and, and with such unconcern 
not realizing that everything they say or everything they do influences and affects our Heavenly Father. And we need to be disciplined in this area. Uh, I'm 56 years old today. I have three grown children, but everything my children do still affect me. Still, people will look at me and will, 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 it will affect their opinion of me based upon my children's behavior. I'm 56 years old. My father is, I think, 87 or 88. But everything I do and say still affects him. People will still formulate opinions of him. So, so we have to understand this. And we must be cognizant of this, and we must make sure that we live our lives in a way that is befitting our Heavenly Father and becoming of God. Secondly, I said we were to walk circumspectly. And that word circumspectly is better defined as heedful and disciplined. We're to be, we're to be heedful of everything we do, all of our actions. And we're to be disciplined in the things that we allow ourselves to get, become involved with. Uh, we, we need to make sure that we don't set any wicked thing before our eyes. Now, you know, it's one thing for a Christian to walk into a situation and suddenly discover that that situation is it's something he shouldn't be in and shouldn't be involved in, okay? That can happen to anybody. It's happened to me. I'm sure it's happened to you. But what should we do when we find ourselves in that situation? We should get out of there as quickly as possible. I've sat down over the years, I've sat down to watch a movie perhaps with my family. And all of a sudden that movie begins to become very inappropriate. I get up and walk out of the room. I'm not going to sit there and watch that. I'm not going to continue in that, in that thing. So we need to be heedful. That's what it means to walk circumspectly. Yes, you will find yourself at times and in situations, someplace you, you, a Christian child of God shouldn't be. Well, get up and get away from it. Don't just sit there and, and, and continue in it. So we to walk circumspectly. Then last week, uh, last time I taught, we talked about walking in holiness. We're to walk in holiness. Not, not in our own holiness because we don't have any holiness. Not in our own righteousness because we have no righteousness. But we walk in the holiness and in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I asked you to turn there. And look at verse 21. Here we read, For he hath made him. Now he here is the Father, and him is the Lord Jesus Christ. For he hath made him to be sin for us. See that? Jesus became, now that's not to mean that Jesus became a sinful man, but as Jesus hung on the cross, that means the Lord laid the sins of my sins and your sins. He laid our sins upon him and made him to become for that brief moment in history made him to become sin for us. And it says who knew no sin. Jesus never sinned. He had no no sin of his own, but he he bore in his own body upon him himself our sin. He goes on that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Do you realize Jesus suffered the cross and he died the death of the cross and was buried into the grave so that I would have righteousness. Me. Me who is so unworthy. Me who is so undeserving of his love, of his grace. (laughs) He endured that suffering, and he died that death, 
so that I could be righteous in God's sight. How dare me live my life in carelessness? How dare I go forth in life and live my life to the pleasures of my own flesh, to the pleasures of my own will? How dare I do that? I'm, I'm lower than the lowest filth on the earth if I, if I allow myself to continue to live a life dishonoring to my Father after Jesus bore my sins in his body and suffered for me so that I could be righteous in the sight of God. What a shame it would be and what a disgrace I would be as a child of God. So we see that we are to walk in this righteousness. We're to live our life in the righteousness of Jesus Christ because he is worthy and he deserves that we live that way. So by God's grace and salvation, we are made righteous in his sight. And we are enabled and empowered to live in the righteousness of Christ. By the guidance and by the direction of God's Holy Spirit. And that brings me to my point number four today on our study sheets. And that is this. We are to walk in the Spirit. We are to walk worthy of our Father. We are to walk circumspectly. We are to walk in holiness. And number four, we are to walk in the Spirit. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. So we're going to have like a Bible drill today, so you've got to be ready to turn to these scriptures. In school, I used to buy Snickers bars and I'd have a Bible drill. And the first... And, I, and they, they, they didn't have the benefit of knowing the scriptures ahead of time. I didn't list them out for them. So I'd say, turn to Romans 8, 1, and you'd hear the pages flipping. And the first student that would stand up would win the sticker bar and get to read the scripture. Now, I think that's a little immature for you, group. How many of you would like to get a Snickers bar? Reese's? Okay, well, maybe next week, when the next time I, I do Sunday school, maybe I'll bring a bunch of Reese's and we'll have a Bible drill if you, if you like. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Look what we read here. There is, therefore now, what's that next word? No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now there's an assumption here. There's an assumption here that those that are in Christ Jesus do not walk after the flesh. But I know a lot, a lot of people who claim to be in Christ Jesus who walk after the flesh and not in the spirit. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Just a real short trip to Galatians chapter 5. And we'll read verse 25 of Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. We read here, If we live in the spirit, spirit, let us also, what is that next word? Walk in the spirit. So, again, assuming being presumptive, that if we, if we are indeed children of God, if we are indeed living our life now in the spirit of Christ, then let us also walk in that spirit. Can you imagine, let's say, let's say, just for sake of illustration, let's say Brian here adopted a son. Say he adopted a teenage son. God have mercy on his soul. But let's say he adopted a teenage son, and now his son dwells in his home. His, his adopted son has every right 
that his natural-born children have. And his adopted son is given, given room and board and care and love and attention. But that adopted son comes in and says, well, you know what? I don't want to live by the rules you have in this house. I want to live my own way. I want to do what I want to do. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. How many of you think Brian would be a happy man? Huh? But yet, how many of us as God's children live our lives that very way? Even though we've been adopted by the Lord, even though we've been grafted into the family of God, we continue to live our lives the way we want to live. Not the way that God tells us that he wants us to live, but we continue to live undisciplined, non-heeding lives. We continue, to, we continue to walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. That's a, that would not be, I tell you what, that would just be terrible. That would be terrible. I would, I would feel so, far, so sorry for Brian if that happened to him. And he, he'd come to me and tell me about it, and I'd say, brother, I, I'm sorry. That's a terrible thing to do. But yet we live that way so often in our Christian lives, undisciplined. It is so easy to get caught up in the things of this world. How many of you understand that? How many of you realize it's just, it's just so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day cares of life? Isn't it? And I'm not talking about evil or wicked things. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the day-to-day necessary things that we face in our life every day. It is so easy to get all caught up and wrapped up in those things. Not sinful, but distracting nonetheless. Now, Paul addressed this issue with Timothy. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 together. Let's all turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. (laughs) Now, you've got an advantage of seeing what the next scripture is, so you can get yourselves ready to go there. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And let's begin reading at verse number 1. Paul addressed this issue with Timothy about, about the cares of this life and the distractions of the world. And again, not, I'm not talking about sinful things. I'm talking about just normal day-to-day mom and dad things. Just the cares and concerns of, of this life. Look at verse number 1, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let me just stop there for a moment and say there is no strength. There is no strength in life apart from the grace of God. The flesh will, will conquer you. The world will, overcome, will overtake you. The only strength that I have every day of my life is, is the knowledge of the grace of God, that God has empowered me and that God has enabled me to overcome the world by my faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only strength I have. I have no strength of myself. Verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Now, verse 3. Thou, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let me stop there for a moment. I've seen so many people quit on Christ because, of, because it's, a hard, it's not an easy life. You know, the Bible says that if we will live godly in this present life, we will suffer what? persecution that's right we will it didn't say you might suffer you will suffer if you if you endeavor to live godly you will be mocked you will be ridiculed you will be hated you will be despised you will be lied about you will be slandered 
You're not, it's not that you might be, it's that you will be. And it's not easy to live a Christian life. It's hard on young people today to live a Christian life. It really is. But let me tell you something. God expects you to do it. And he more than that expects you, he's enabled you to do it. And he's empowered you to do it by his Holy Spirit. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We could stop here and talk about a good soldier, how he's brave and how he's obedient and how he's loyal and how he's dependable and how he's faithful. And these are all the types of attributes that we need to possess in our lives if we are going to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Verse number four, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Do you know why so many of our American soldiers can go to battle, can go to war, and go with confidence? Because the military has a a tremendous support group. They have a tremendous support group. And they have organizations within the military that that are there simply to, to look to the needs of the wives and children of the soldiers that are on the battlefield. You think, do you think some loving husband, loving father could go to, to uh, Iran or, or Afghanistan and keep his mind on what he's doing if he's, if he's concerned about his family's care back home? He couldn't do it. He'd be distracted. He'd, he, he wouldn't have his mind focused on his task. And, and, and he, would, he would fail in his, in his role as a soldier. And, and worst of all, he would die. He would be killed on the battlefield. And the military knows this. And so the military doesn't want to send these men to battle without the confidence of them knowing that someone is back home taking care of their wives and children so that they can focus their attention on what they've been called to do. Now, if the military is good at that, Do you think God the Father is any less? Do we think that God is is so unfaithful and lacks lacks dependability so much that that we can't focus our hearts and minds on 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 his kingdom and his work in this in our lives? We have to we have to we have to put God on the side and take care of the things in our lives. Now, Pastor preached about this recently. And I believe that a man ought to take care of his family. I believe that. I believe he's worse than an infidel if he doesn't care for his own. But a man's primary responsibility is to who? His primary responsibility is to God. And to worship and honor his God. And to, and to walk worthy of his God. And to work circumspectly in his life. And, and to spiritually serve the Lord. That's a man's primary responsibility. So as a, as a husband, as a father, I have the confidence to know that God will take care of my family. Jesus said, don't worry about all these things that are out there. Seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus said, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow takes thought for the things of itself. He said that not one sparrow falls to the ground without God's knowledge, and you are much more valuable than a sparrow. So don't worry about these things. We spend too much time in our lives worrying about things that God has already promised to take care of. All we need to do is have faith in him. If we're going to be tools in the hands of the master, we are going to have to learn to keep our focus on the things that are important. It's called priorities. 
It is not that the things that draw our attention are necessarily bad or wrong things, but often they are not the most important things. And if we neglect the important things for things of lesser importance, then we fail. I've said it before, and maybe some people don't like it when I say it, but I don't care if you're a multi-billionaire and own property on top of property on top of property. If you, if you are not a faithful, dependable servant of God, then, and if you are not worshiping him, and if you are not honoring him with your life, then you have failed in your purpose. I've heard of many men who are successful <coughs> in matters of the world. However, they are failures in matters of God. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I do not want that to be my testimony. When people talk about me when I'm dead and gone, I don't want them to say, oh, boy, he had, he had money. Man, he had, whew, boy, did he ever have money. Man, that guy owned more cars than, than the Ford Motor Company. And he had more property than, than Bill Gates. I don't want people to say that. You know what I do hope people say when I'm dead and in the grave? There's a man that loved the Lord and that dedicated his life to serving God. I hope that's what people can say because I hope that's what I am. That's what I want my testimony to be. Now, when I, t- when I think about walking in the spirit, as we've discussed this morning, there are some words that come to mind. And I'd like to just share those with you briefly this morning as we go forward in this study. First, letter A, I, I, when, I think, when I think about walking in the spirit, I think about the word awareness. Awareness. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. Now, one thing about the, the Corinthian church, they were careless people. We know that from reading. They, they were, uh, I'm not saying they, weren't, they, were, they didn't love the Lord, but they were very careless. You know, there's a lot of people that I, I believe love the Lord. They're just careless. They're just undisciplined in their, in their life. And that was the church at Corinth. Now, granted, there were some people in the church at Corinth that were just downright sinful. But there were also those that, that were good, good people and loved the Lord, were just confused and were, were careless in what they did. So here we, we, we see Paul addressing the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, where he states, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Last Sunday morning we did some... In, in the forum class, there was some discussion about uh, why don't we have to wor- worship in Jerusalem anymore. Well, the reason we don't have to worship in Jerusalem anymore is because the temple's not there. Where is the temple today? Sitting in the pew. <laughs> we are the temples of God. We worship God. We come together and assemble and worship God collectively as his children, as a church. But the temple of God, the worship of God is taking place wherever we are. We are the temples of God. And Paul reminds these people, don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? So when I think about being in the Spirit or walking in the Spirit, I I think about an awareness of this very fact, that wherever I am, the Spirit of God is, because the Spirit of God dwells in me. There's an old saying, out of sight, out of mind. How many of you ever heard that? Out of sight, out of mind. This is the problem facing so many people today. Because we cannot see the Holy Spirit, we tend to forget that he dwells 
within us, that he dwells in our, wherever we are, that we are in his presence at all times. And therefore, we are in the presence of the Father at all times. We are possessed today. Did you know that? Every one of you in this room, you're possessed. Now, some people, I think, really are possessed. I've had some kids come to I've, I've walked away and said, they have to be possessed. There's just no other explanation for it. But I'm not talking about that kind of possession today. We are possessed, but we are possessed by the spirit of God. And this is not a spirit of defeat. It's not a spirit of hatred. It's not a spirit of violence. It's a spirit of love, a spirit of power, a spirit of wisdom. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, Paul writes, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, we definitely, as, as human beings, have, have doubt in our, in, in our minds. And so we do become fearful of things. And we do become concerned with things. And we do become worried about things. But God hasn't given us that spirit. That is not from the Lord. When we, when we walk through our life and when we, when we worry and when we fret and when we fear, guess who that is? That is not the Holy Spirit. That's the, that's the flesh. That's our old nature rearing its head and trying to, trying to shake us up. Because God has given us a spirit of power, a can-do spirit. He's given us a spirit of love. You know, I've said this before. You, you don't have to like someone to love them. You know that? I don't like everybody around me. And please don't, don't get angry with me, but I mean, you know. You, you know what? Anybody know what I'm, you're all looking at me like, what? Oh, you know. Any of you ever, know, ever felt this way? You, you don't necessarily like someone too much, but I do love them. I love God's children because God's children are God's children, and, and the Spirit draws me to them and binds me in, in, in a spirit of love. Doesn't mean I doesn't mean I want to hang out with them. Doesn't mean I want to I want to go into business with them. But we have been given a spirit of love. I just I'm sorry. I just don't think that Christian people. I I, I could be dead wrong on this, and if if I wouldn't argue with you if you don't agree with me. But I don't think there's any way a true child of God can hate another believer. I just don't believe that. If you can, if you can genuinely hate someone. In your heart, I just don't think you're a Christian. Because that is not the spirit of God. That is the spirit of, of the devil. Now, not like someone, there've been, there've been, like I said, there have been people, there have been people, if I'm going this way and they're coming this way, I turn around and go this way. And I'll confess that sin. If it's a sin, I'm, I'm guilty. There have been people I want to avoid. But if, if that same person needs, needs help, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help them. I'm going to love them because they're, they're my brother and sister in Christ. And I just don't believe that Christian people can do that with one another. The Holy Spirit is, is within us, and he is, he is the spirit of truth. And he will always lead us into truth. So anytime you blow it, anytime you find yourself in the middle of error, guess what? That wasn't the Holy Spirit led you there. Because the Holy Spirit will always lead us into truth. 
He will never lead us into error. We know we were not led by the Spirit in those cases, but by the flesh. So we have to, we have to discern what Spirit is, is leading us in our life. And, and to do this, we have to have an awareness of the Holy Spirit. And we have this awareness because the Spirit of God makes us aware of our position in Christ. In Romans chapter 8, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. You should be there at, at 1 Corinthians, so it's a, it's a short trip to Romans chapter 8. And we'll begin reading at verse number 14. Romans eight fourteen. we read here, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So here's the evidence that we are God's children when we are led, when we are guided by the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So here we see again, you know, Brian adopts that son, and if he's truly grateful to his father for adopting, for Brian for adopting him, he's going to adapt his life. And he's going to change his life and he's going to live his life in a way that's honoring to his father. Verse number 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And here we see that the Holy Spirit bears witness to us. You know, over the, over the last 33 years, the devil has tried to convince me at times. My flesh and my mind have come to me and, and said, you know, are you really, do you think you're really saved? I mean, are you sure about that? And the spirit is in my life, and the spirit bears witness. The spirit, the spirit gives testimony. The spirit makes me assured of the fact that I am a child of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Where would I be without that? Where would I be without that testifying spirit within my life? Where would I be? I tell you where I'd be. I'd be back in the dredges of sin. I'd be back in the pit from whence I was digged. But I have the courage and the faith to stay out of that because the Spirit itself bears witness to me that I am God's child. You, do you feel that, that testimony today? Do you, do you have that, that witness within you? Well, if you do, then stand up and be accounted as God's child. Get out of the world. Get away from the world. Don't just get out of the world. Get away from it. Stay as far away as possible. Stay as close as possible to God. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And there it is again. Listen, these prosperity preachers around the country who are trying to convince people that, oh, you, you know you're God's child and everything is, is great and wonderful. That's a lie. That's a lie. God's children are going to, are going to suffer persecution. God's children are going, are going to face uh, hardships. They're going to face trials. We are constantly being, being, being tried by our flesh, by our minds, and by our hearts, and, and by the spirit of the Antichrist, which doth already work. I, I don't like to go around saying the devil is trying to tempt me because Satan is not God. I can't give him, I can't give him omnipresence. I can't give him the, the character traits of God. Satan can only be in one place at one time, and I guarantee you it's not messing with me. Why would he mess with me? What can I do to affect world chaos and, and world trouble? We, we like to blame the devil for far too much, give him way more credit than he deserves. It does, now, the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and strong in the world, but most of your problems, most of the problems I face and you face come from right here. It comes from our own flesh. 
And when we realize that and realize we're our own worst enemy, then maybe we'll start disciplining ourselves more. It's, easy to, it's easier to forgive yourself for doing wrong when you say, well, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do nothing. That's not good English, but forgive me. You did it yourself. Your own lust. Your own, that's what James said. You, you, you war within your own lust, your own flesh, your own senses, your own, your own desires take control of your life. You just, just look in the mirror and see yourself for what you are and quit trying to make yourself in your own mind seem like some holy righteous thing that God just had to die and save. See yourself as you are, a sinner saved by grace, nothing more. Without the grace of God, you and I would, would be getting exactly what we deserve in life. So we have an awareness of this, and we're made aware of this. Live your life with an awareness of what you really are and the fact that apart from the Holy Spirit, you are nothing. And it is God's Spirit that, that, gives, us, that gives us the grace of God and, and leads us in the directions we need to go. This Christian world today has gone off in some la-la land direction. They've never, I tell you what, if they sat in a class like this and had me tell them they were worthless, they'd probably revolt against me. But that's what we are. We bought some crawfish at my house yesterday. I'll take you out back and I'll pop the, the can, the garbage can. I hope the garbage man is on time this week. I'll pop the lid on that thing and let you take a whiff of those crawfish in that can. Whew, you won't like it. But you know what? That's, what? that's what you smell like to God. That's what you did smell like to God before Jesus saved you. And don't you forget that. You're nothing. You're nothing but a sinner saved by grace and empowered to live your life in the power and the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Be aware of this and live your life in humility before God. Live your life humbly in his sight and be thankful and be grateful for what God has done for you for you didn't deserve it. Live your life with awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence and influence over you. But then, secondly, this morning, when I think about walking in the Spirit, I also think of the word agreement. Agreement. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. You should be right there when we were in Romans. So now back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll start at verse 14. We read here, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. There we see it again. We are God's temple. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, the implication here is to disassociate from the world and its practices, its sinfulness, and its allurements. It's to disassociate ourselves from the world. In John chapter 17 uh, let's turn there. John chapter 17. Turn there a while, for, if you would. So we're to, we're to live our lives in agreement with God, in agreement with the principles of the word of God, 
in agreement with, with God's expectations and, and, and the things that God calls abominable, we are to, we are to hate. And the things that God uh, determines are wrong, we're not to involve ourselves in. Listen, far too many, listen to me. If you're at John chapter 17, great. If you're not, stop. Listen to me. Just because something is funny doesn't mean it's right. And you know, the movie, the movie industry and the Hollywood industry uses humor to, to desensitize people. They make homosexuality look funny. So we, we, watch, we watch TV programs where homosexuals are there and they're, they're humorous and we laugh at it and we laugh at it and we, and we laugh at it until finally one day we no longer are, are, are appalled by it. They do that with, with profanity. Movies using swears and curses and, 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 and things like that. It's funny. We laugh at it. We laugh at it. We laugh at it. We laugh at it until we're no longer shocked by it. Until we no longer associate it with evil. And that's how, that's how things happen. In John chapter 17 now, verse 9, Jesus said, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not in the world, I'm leaving, I'm going to heaven, but, you're, but my, my children stay in, are still in the world. Uh, but these are in the world, and I come to them. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Listen, we are not to be of this world. We are in this world, but Jesus prays to the Father that he would keep us, that we would not be of this world. Do you understand the difference there between being in the world and being of the world? There is a difference. Jesus said, you're in the world, but don't become of the world. You're in the world to serve. You're in the world to honor and glorify. You're in the world to witness. But don't become of the world. Hence the admonition of Paul in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 where he states, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. My life is to be in agreement with the will of God. My alliances are to be with the people of God. My priorities are to be centered on the work of God. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, he states, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Now, how can we possibly be used as tools of God when we are fraternizing with the enemies of God? Consider Job for a moment. In Job chapter 1 and verse 8, we read, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Now, what does that word escheweth mean? The definition of eschew is to deliberately avoid and stay away from. I believe I have that on your study sheets. It's to deliberately avoid and stay away from. Deliberately. Job eschewed evil. Job, on purpose, stayed away from evil. And, and you and I, if we are going to be effective tools for God today in the church, then we are going to have to deliberately separate ourselves from the allurements of this world, the sinful pleasures of this world. We're going to have to put them away. 
Yet today, far too many freely and readily partake of the pleasures of this world. But we are to be transformed, Paul said. We are to be transformed, altered in our nature. Our conformity, our agreement is to be with God, not the world. And when we walk in the Spirit, we will experience the transformation of our mind, of our body, and of our soul. So when I consider walking in the Spirit, it involves an awareness of his presence in my life. It demands an agreement with his guidance and leadership. And that's all the time I have this morning. I still have a couple of other words that come to mind. We'll discuss those the next time I teach. But I, I, I pray and hope that this, this lesson today has, has helped you to understand better what God expects from us as, as concerning walking in the spirit in our lives and realize that, that, that this is a serious matter and that we must conform to God's expectations for us. All right, uh, 10 minutes still, if that clock is right. So thank you for being here this morning, and you are dismissed. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronit Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronit Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.